Y'all already know who it is. It's your boy Loso, man. And y'all listen to the number one sports podcast out, MTMV Sports. Y'all see All right, buddy, I got to go now. But I'll put on your favorite show. See you tonight. Welcome back to Cooking with Chef Antonio. Gee, well, I would like to know how this risotto will turn out, but I'll probably just go to sleep in your bed and sniff your sheets. And then... Figure out what that squirrel is planning. Squirrels. Your dog doesn't care if the TV is on. With energy-saving tips and programs from Georgia Power, you can save money and make your home more efficient. Learn more at georgiapower.com slash efficiency. Staying at home isn't exactly ideal. Although it has its challenges, some good things can come out of it. You could have more family time, more time to binge your favorite shows, less time in traffic, As Strayer, we know that great things can happen at home. As an online university, we were built for challenging times and are committed to supporting our students. Visit us at Strayer.edu to learn more. And when it's safe, visit our campus location down the street at 3000 Corporate Center Drive, Suite 100, Morrow, Georgia. Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Robinson, and welcome to another exciting edition of The Robinson Show. On the program, I have one half of the hip-hop duo, Kids in the Hall. That's right, Knowledge. Knowledge is going to talk about a little bit about his upbringing in Chicago, also education, the Chicago sports team, and much more. That's all coming up after the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Robinson Show. See the Cooperstown classic, sipping on a yakif, kosher, sort of like deal blasted. Shooting for my goal like Joe Sackett, from a place where the wrong handshake gets your goddamn ass kicked. Mama teach shuns how to puff, puff, pass, taking pulls of the grass. Grass seem greener when you pass a... All right, buddy, I gotta go now, but I'll put on your favorite show. See you tonight. Welcome back to Cooking with Chef Antonio. Gee, well, I would like to know how this risotto will turn out, but I'll probably just go to sleep in your bed and sniff your sheets and then figure out what that squirrel is planning. Squirrels. Your dog doesn't care if the TV is on. With energy-saving tips and programs from Georgia Power, you can save money and make your home more efficient. Learn more at georgiapower.com slash efficiency. All right, buddy, I got to go now, but I'll put on your favorite show. See you tonight. Welcome back to Cooking with Chef Antonio. Gee, well, I would like to know how this risotto will turn out, but I'll probably just go to sleep in your bed and sniff your sheets and then figure out what that squirrel is planning. Squirrels. Your dog doesn't care if the TV is on. With energy-saving tips and programs from Georgia Power, you can save money and make your home more efficient. Learn more at georgiapower.com slash efficiency. People who are... Are you working on your grocery list? Don't forget to include peanut butter made with Georgia peanuts. Peanuts have more protein than any other nut and provide essential nutrients. Pick up a jar for your household and donate a jar to a food pantry. It's affordable, nutritious, and shelf-stable. For peanut recipes, fun facts and activities, as well as information on how to donate, visit gapeanuts.com or tap the banner now. This message is brought to you by the Family Farmers of the Georgia Peanut Commission. Sick should stay home. You don't go to an emergency room. You don't go to a clinic. You get on the phone and you ask for advice and instructions from your physician. Then you use those instructions to determine what you're going to do. But the first reflex 
should not be, I feel sick, I'm going to go to an emergency room. I feel sick, I'm going to just go to a doctor's office. We need to physically separate. Ultimately, you may need, obviously, to see a physician or to go to a hospital. The first reflex should be to make a call to your physician. Staying at home isn't exactly ideal. Although it has its challenges, some good things can come out of it. You could have more family time, more time to binge your favorite shows, less time in traffic. At Strayer, we know that great things can happen at home. As an online university, we were built for challenging times and are committed to supporting our students. Visit us at strayer.edu to learn more. And when it's safe, visit our campus location down the street at 4655 Timber Ridge Drive, Douglasville, Georgia. Staying at home isn't exactly ideal. Although it has its challenges, some good things can come out of it. You could have more family time, more time to binge your favorite shows, less time in traffic. At Strayer, we know that great things can happen at home. As an online university, we were built for challenging times and are committed to supporting our students. Visit us at Strayer.edu to learn more. And when it's safe, visit our campus location down the street at 4655 Timber Ridge Drive, Douglasville, Georgia. Are you working on your grocery list? Don't forget to include peanut butter made with Georgia peanuts. Peanuts have more protein than any other nut and provide essential nutrients. Pick up a jar for your household and donate a jar to a food pantry. It's affordable, nutritious, and shelf-stable. For peanut recipes, fun facts and activities, as well as information on how to donate, visit gapeanuts.com or tap the banner now. This message is brought to you by the Family Farmers of the Georgia Peanut Commission. Steps you can take to prevent spread of respiratory viruses include avoid close contact with people who are sick. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. If soap and water are not readily available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces using a regular household cleaning spray or wipe. Cover your own cough or sneeze with your elbow or a tissue. All right, buddy, I gotta go now, but I'll put on your favorite show. See you tonight. Welcome back to Cooking with Chef Antonio. Gee, well, I would like to know how this risotto will turn out, but I'll probably just go to sleep in your bed and sniff your sheets, and then figure out what that squirrel is planning. Squirrels. Your dog doesn't care if the TV is on. With energy-saving tips and programs from Georgia Power, you can save money and make your home more efficient. Learn more at georgiapower.com slash efficiency. I know we are facing a very tough moment with the spread of the coronavirus. It's tough, but we all have to help each other. First, a big shout out to all the doctors, nurses, medical staff, and others who are working so hard to keep us safe during this time. Please pay attention to what the health experts are advising, from good healthy habits to social distancing. Also, if you are passing information to others, make sure it's correct. Visit the World Health Organization for the most up-to-date information on the coronavirus. Let's be there for each other. And let's work as one team. Command to truck. We need to vent that roof. Roger that. Come on, get that saw up here. On this job, we keep our equipment starting fast and running strong with true fuel. We can't risk engine failure from the ethanol corrosion and separation you get from gas station gas. And at home, I trust ready to use true fuel in my trimmer and leaf floor, so I don't have to mix oil and gas myself. 
For pro performance and everyday convenience, trust True Fuel. Available at your local lawn and garden dealer. Command to truck. We need to vent that roof. Roger that. Come on, get that saw up here. On this job, we keep our equipment starting fast and running strong with True Fuel. We can't risk engine failure from the ethanol corrosion and separation you get from gas station gas. And at home, I trust ready to use True Fuel in my trimmer and leaf floor, so I don't have to mix oil and gas myself. For pro performance and everyday convenience, trust True Fuel. Available at your local lawn and garden dealer. All right, buddy, I gotta go now, but I'll put on your favorite show. See you tonight. Welcome back to Cooking with Chef Antonio. <laughs> Gee, well, I would like to know how this risotto will turn out, but I'll probably just go to sleep in your bed and sniff your sheets, and then figure out what that squirrel is planning. Arr, squirrels. Your dog doesn't care if the TV is on. With energy-saving tips and programs from Georgia Power, you can save money and make your home more efficient. Learn more at georgiapower.com slash efficiency. And it's time for our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome to the Robinson Show one half of the hip hop duo Kids in the Hall, and also a gentleman that's oh, a well educated person and also a community activist and also a big sports fan. We want to welcome you to the program, Knowledge. What's going on, my man? What's going on? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, bro. How's, how's everything considering the current circumstances? Oh, uh, man, it's, you know, it's. it's it's crazy, actually. It's, it's, I was already doing a bit of social distancing because I'm, as you mentioned, I'm in school, so I was writing my dissertation. Um, so, you know, I was already kind of in the space of feeling like I needed to kind of go in a hole and write. But the fact that the rest of the world has kind of gone into a hole as well has just kind of thrown some things off. But, you know, overall, spirits are good. Fortunately, nobody immediately close to me has been hit with the virus. And, you know, also just I realize that I've been in a space of privilege and being able to kind of be able to stay inside. Like, not everybody has that ability. So we're just trying to keep pushing. And and with that, um, I've been, you know, doing certain things to kind of, stay in touch and connect with folks that are here in Chicago that, you know, don't have those luxuries and trying to make sure that, you know, people have the information that they need as well as the, the ability to shelter in place. Well, that, that's wonderful to hear, man. And, and you're right about that. It's good that you're doing those things despite what's currently going on. And I'm with you on that one. You know, the, the world has stopped. Everything has stopped and it's just put us in a, in a period of adjustment. But again, I thank you. Uh, wholeheartedly for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. So 
Um, we'll, we'll talk more about Corona and, and things of that nature in just one moment. But I want to start off with, uh, with your upbringing. You're, uh, you're born and raised in one of the, uh, the great cities in the world, uh, Chicago, the Windy City. And you had an interesting background because both of your parents are involved in uh, academia. Just tell me, uh, well, tell our audience just kind of like what was it like growing up in Chicago and particularly um, having parents that are both – Doctorates and earning their in earning their PhDs. Um, you know, for me, I thought it was normal. Like I, I now that I, you know, have talked to others and you know, I have friends growing up and seeing their their family circumstances and and whatnot. I, I don't know. I, they would tell me that what I was going through wasn't. No, I won't say what I was going through. They would tell me that my situation wasn't normal because. Uh, my parents met in graduate school. Um, like you said, they they pursued PhDs, um, but then they left. They both left academia. They they work in private practice now, so they work together. So um, they left academia when I was young, pretty young. So you know, I got the luxury of like seeing a lot of my parents when I was growing up, and uh, even though they worked they work together so our family is like super duper tight knit um in fact i did some of the billing work in their practice when i was in high school so i mean like literally our family was very tight knit saw each other every day my parents see each other 24 7 for the most part like that they're not like joined to the hip literally but like they're in the same office so that that separation between work and home was never really there um but yeah, being a son of two shrinks, I think people assume that uh they assume that your parents are like psychoanalyzing you or or they assume or my friends assume something that, you know, maybe they would be psychoanalyzing them or that, you know, I got timeouts when I was little or whatever, <laughs> you know, like things that you know, yeah. like like that, you know, people don't normally associate with black families or whatever, but ultimately you know, my folks are, are from the South, and so there's still a lot of those same principles that were instilled in me um, in terms of being humble, in terms of helping the community, in terms of being about family. Um, you know, I think they, you know, also my dad being a social worker and doing a lot of the community work that he did, I saw, you know, what it was like to kind of live on the other side of the tracks and the way Chicago is set up, you know, our south side and our west side are, is, is black folks on top of black folks. So, I mean, the reality of that is that you see people from, you see and interact with people from all walks of life. And, you know, it was it's a special place. A lot of, a lot of people talk about Chicago because of the, the violence and some of the nonsense that goes on there. Uh, but, I always try to tell people and highlight to people that those 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 um crimes that they may hear of are in very isolated hyper local spaces and like there's no reason for someone to be in those spaces uh, if they're not from here uh or if they're not you know visiting family or whatever like you know a lot of that wrong place wrong time stuff doesn't happen to tourists or people just <laughs> you know, uh, that are coming here that aren't natives. Uh, and the other thing about it is it's a world-class city, I think, for those who came down for the All-Star game, which was like the last big thing before COVID hit, they saw that. You know, Chicago is a world-class city. It's a dope place to be. 
world class, you know, in terms of eating, in terms of shopping, in terms of just our skyline, you, you know, we have, you know, you, you got skyscrapers down in the middle of downtown. We have a lake, you know, it's a very clean city. And, you know, it, there's a lot of diversity that doesn't get shown in the press about our city. But, yeah, growing up with all of those things going on, it influenced me. And I think we see that in hip-hop because Chicago has put out a lot of dope hip-hop artists that come from our city. And it's because of that diversity that you see so many different types of artists emerge. You hit it, you hit the nail right, right on the um on the coffin, my friend. You know, Chicago is one of those special places, not just with the music, but just the culture in general. And certainly, uh, it's a city that really gets a bad rep, but it's a fantastic city. We're gonna get more into the um Chicago music scene in general, but I want to jump into uh, the sports scene of Chicago. Chicago is one of those cities that's a dedicated and a diehard sports town, from the Bulls to the White Sox to the Cubs, where the White Sox playing on the south side and the Cubs playing on the north side. And you've got the Blackhawks and also the WNBA of the Chicago Sky. And um, it's one of those those blue-collar sports towns, and, of course, the Bears being there. I want to start off with the Chicago Bulls, and there's a a documentary that's out right now called The Last Dance. Any memories Mm -hmm. that you have of uh, Jordan, whether it be with the – the first three feet or the second three feet, any stories that you would like to share, Any anything that you would have for the audience? Sheesh, man. I mean, I grew up squarely when all of that was happening. I mean, it was perfect timing. I mean, literally when I was in, uh, I graduated from, definitely dating myself here, but I graduated from elementary school in 96. So, like, literally, I saw all six championships when I was in, in uh, elementary school and, and going towards, uh, yeah, yeah, this night, because the documentary is covering 96, 97, I believe. So, I saw, like, both repeats very young. I think maybe the last one was my first year of high school or whatever. But, like, yeah, one of my best friends, I just posted on Facebook, one of my best friends, his father was a McDonald's owner-operator, and uh, McDonald's was one of the major sponsors for the stadium. And so they uh, they had a skybox. His father had a skybox, access to a skybox, had season tickets for, like, all of those championship years. And um, in some instances, I was able to kind of be a plus one and tag along with their family. My homeboy was actually a ball boy, so, like, you know, he got the ultimate experience to be near Jordan and to see kind of history unfold. But, you know, because his seat, you know, wasn't being used often, like, he had the ability to invite a friend. So I have tons of memories being at the parades, being at the games. I actually met players. um, Actually got the chance to meet Phil Jackson, you know, so – I have some experiences, you know, as a child that most people didn't even have. And and just being from Chicago, ultimately, like, they were the team of that era. Like, I was definitely a Bears fan, a White Sox fan, and, um, you know, I rooted for those teams big. But the Bulls were winning, and, you know, and Jordan was the icon of all icons in the sport. And so from just wearing the shoes, wearing the apparel, you know, there was a Jordan store in downtown Chicago, in, in the, right next to Nike Town. Um, 
you know, he kind of took our city by storm. He gave our city identity, the way he walked, the way he talked. We all wanted to be like him, you know, not just the way the commercial sold it, but, like, people really wanted to be like Michael Jordan, um, and everybody wanted to play basketball. So, you know, I grew up, and I wasn't the biggest hooper, but, like, because of the Bulls, I definitely, you know, I played on the basketball team in, in high school and, you know, that was just a part of our culture. Chicago's a big basketball city, so, you know, those Bulls influenced a lot of kids growing up to play ball and to, you know, kind of want to do things the way Michael Jordan did them. So, yeah, like, I remember just there being a, an electricity about the city as well. Like, when the Bulls were playing, there wasn't as much crime happening. Uh, business was booming because people were going into restaurants and going out to nightclubs and bars. And so, you know, that era of Chicago for most people. Awesome to hear. You mentioned about the city and the team being electric. Another electric person in his own right was uh, Dennis Rodman. Do you have any uh, Rodman memories? Yeah, not like personal memories, but I just remember I was younger, so I wasn't able to really distill you know, and the, the last dance talked about this last night because the new episode came out yesterday. There also was an ESPN 30 for 30 on Rodman, but, like, as troubled as he was, as weird as I viewed him, and as much as he seemed like, you know, he he, he seemed like to be, you know, doing doing things that were peculiar for a basketball player and reckless for a basketball player. Um, and his style was so unorthodox. He wasn't an offensive player, so you know, as a child, you're not re- he's not really the most exciting to watch uh, in terms of his playing style. But looking back on it, I realized how much of a cultural icon he is, and how he kind of changed not only the way the game is played, so that you see, you know, the emergence of players like Draymond Green who don't have to score or these like stretch fours who can guard centers and run the floor and kind of, you know, uh, they don't necessarily need the ball in their hand to affect the game. Dennis Rodman was kind of that, that first like high energy guy to kind of influence the game in that way um, and kind of ushered in a new era of the NBA because he was able to kind of, do these outlet passes and and always find open shooters. Um, for on that end of it, I didn't. I never thought about it when I was a, a youngster. And then the other aspect of it is just like the way he influenced, like the aesthetic of what it means to be a black body on television. You know, because at that time you didn't see a lot of the folks with the with the piercings and the tattoos and the uh, the leather shirts you know, and, you know, the leggings and, you know, like the cross-dressing, some of the publicity stuff that he did, but just the rock star lifestyle thing that he portrayed um, with the homoerogeny and, you know, uh, you know, the eroticism of some of what he put out there with his image. You know, like now that I see hip-hop has moved in that direction, like the way he dressed back then, it it was seen as like an outcast. Now, I don't know, like, I almost look at it like he was a trailblazer, looking at how, like, hip-hop kind of adopted that style and that swagger. Um, 
Wow, interesting right there that you put it right there. I, I saw it. I, I agree with you on that, that sis. I mean, Rodman was always, I mean, you got to give, again, you mentioned if there was no Dennis Rodman, there would be no the Draymond Green for the world. His play was definitely um, unorthodox back in the day, you know, solely focusing on rebounding and defense. And uh, someone that was very vital to that Bulls dynasty was Scottie Pippen. Any, what were your thoughts on uh, on uh, Pip during his time with the Bulls? Um, I mean, I think everybody in Chicago appreciated Pippen, and I think we, um, particularly during that championship run, realized how valuable he was. Um, the documentary doesn't talk about it, but like you know, in those years that that Mike stepped away to play basketball, uh, play baseball, and um, you know, we still were able to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, in the like. One or two, one of those years we went to the. I think maybe, I don't remember if we went both years, but I know we went to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, at least once during that that two year period that Mike was playing baseball. Uh, I believe we lost to the Orlando Magic and we lost to the New York Knicks or something like that. But you know, during those times, Scotty led the Bulls, and so I think there's. I think people forget about just his value because Jordan has such a has such a you know presence about him and he was so iconic uh in so many ways on the court and he dominated the scoring um and he usually was the one who delivered in clutch moments. I think people tend to forget just how valuable Scottie Pippen was, but in Chicago, I think everybody um was well aware of how valuable Scottie Pippen was, and he was like a fan favorite. And um, I'm, I'm just thinking again about fashion. Like he had his own sneakers, and there were some people that liked the Scottie Pippen sneakers better than the Air Jordan. Certain years, not every year, but there were certain years and certain versions of the Scottie Pippen shoe that people wanted to wear more so than the the Jordan sneaker because you know Scottie had his own shoe line with Nike as well, and he was like you know, very popular. So Interesting that you mentioned that right there. I want to bring up about the uh, – you remember you brought up memories of you watching game, Bulls games at the United Center. Do you have any uh, recollection of watching games at Chicago Stadium? Uh, I remember going with my father to Chicago Stadium. My first basketball game ever, actually, as was at um, – Chicago Stadium, and it was standing room only, and I remember going with my dad um, to to that first game, and then I also remember going with my dad to the last game ever at Chicago Stadium. And, you know, I talked about, like, my one of my good friends being able to kind of give me seats that were, like, really great um, in terms of, you know, being up close and getting to meet players. But those experiences with my dad, actually, where we went and sat essentially in the nosebleed sections, or not even sat, we stood (laughs) in the nosebleed sections, those memories are great to me as well, you know, because you get to be, you know, all of those memories are great, you know what I mean? So, but those, you know, you bonding and father sometimes is something that, you know, particularly now in these times, Looking back on it, I, I realize I've been blessed and, and I've been put in scenarios growing up where people, you know, were able to to, to give me some lasting memories. And, yeah, I have, I have tons of memories in Chicago Stadium. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Absolutely, and um, that's great to hear that. And um, now while we're still on the Chicago sports team, just briefly, the Chicago Bears, uh, there's been a lot of gripe about the quarterback, uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Do you roll with them with, with yeah. give them a little more leeway, or do you uh, end the era and, and possibly go with Nick Foles? Um, they're going to give Mitchell Trubisky every opportunity to keep his job, but it's going to be a competition. And um, they wouldn't have brought Nick Foles in if there wasn't, you know, a need to kind of light a fire under Mitch Trubisky. I think that ultimately Nick Foles is going to see some playing time this year. I don't think he's going to start the season as the starter, um, but I do see – you know, it's it's put up a shut up time for for Mitch Trubisky. I, like Nick Foles is gonna, you know, for lack of better terms, be on his ass. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Nick yeah. Foles is a, is a Super Bowl winning quarterback who, you know, has sat in that position before as the the backup who, if you get injured or if you let up or you make too many mistakes, can step in and take over a team. And from all accounts, I don't know him personally, but from all accounts, he's a leader and apparently is a person who, you know, has the ability to galvanize a locker room. So, Mr. Bisky, man, he's got something in store. I mean, we traded up to get him. So, you know, that's something that people in Chicago, Chicago, we're diehard, diehards here, Bears fans, but they're, they're not soft on, on uh, criticism. So, you know, if you think back to that draft, we drafted we drafted him over a couple of other quarterbacks that, you know, probably would have been better suited for us. But, you know, we got to live with what we got. And so we'll see what happens um, over the course of the season. But I'm I'm just knowing that the potential that that Trubisky has shown, he's going to have to he's going to have to string it together and be more consistent. Yeah, rightfully so. Again, you know, I mean, the Bears have always been known for the running game and the defense, and certainly, you know, with Khalil Mack uh, currently leading the way on the defensive side and Eddie Jackson, and then, you know, it's just a lot of talent in the NFC, and they're just waiting for Mitch to kind of Mitchell to uh, just put it in the right direction. Um, anything you want to pass along in terms about, you know, you mentioned uh, the White Sox. Well, what do you hope uh, the, the White Sox can uh, get out of get out of the funk and uh, move on to? Uh, better seasons ahead for them. Excuse me? I was asking uh, about the Chicago White Sox. Did you, um, any thoughts you want to share about the White Sox? I know they've had some, um, they've been in the funk kind of for a while right now. What, what do you think the White Sox need to do to just try to get back to their winning ways? Mm, um, that's tough to say. I mean, they made some moves that I think um, have benefited them. I haven't been as on top of the, the White Sox as of late um, just because of, you know, being in school and whatnot. But, you know, we haven't really had a winning squad. I mean, obviously the the Cubs, uh, Cubs kind of took the city over and took the city by storm. They've always had a very um, – hard ticket to come by, so to speak, but, like, the team actually, you know, us winning the World Series, them having a cast of stars on their team kind of took a lot of the light from the White Sox. Uh, you know, but, you know, there's, there's guys like Abreu and um, I'm trying to remember, the, there's a few other cats that, that we have on the White Sox that, uh, 
you know, are some hitters. We have hitters for sure. Um, I think the thing – and Tim Anderson and uh, – shoot, I'm trying to remember the other guy, Jimenez. Like, we got some guys that can they can – they can hit the rock, you know. And so the thing, the thing though that I've noticed though is our pitching. As much as we we drafted some guys who were supposed to, to you know, be the saviors, and they kind of haven't come through. And so that's the thing. And so we we need those those pitchers to uh, to show up, you know. And if 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 we have we have solid pitching, then I think we'll be okay. I mean, I think we were actually looking forward to this year as one as as being a turnaround year. Um, but with this COVID stuff, there's no telling, you know, what what the season's even gonna look like this year. So I don't know. You know, there's there's a lot to to, to be um uh, left in the air as far as how the White Sox are gonna gonna show this year. Uh but Tim Anderson, man, that guy, he's a he's a baller, he's a player. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is really good. I've been keeping up with him the last several years. He's been. He's really a star on the rise. And um, speaking of baseball, um, you ever had a chance to? Uh, you, you ever pay attention to the team on the north side? <laughs> well, it's hard not to pay attention to a team that's winning, that won a World Series. Um, you know that, that was you know at this point a few years back. But like, yeah, you know they they don't like. In terms of star power, I mean, everybody's aware of, you know, Chris Bryant and uh, Schwarber and, and Rizzo and, you know, Javi, Javi, uh, uh, Javi Baez, I believe, Baez is his last name, right? Uh, yes. He, you know, these are like stars in the city. They're like, they brought a World Series to Chicago, and, you know, by sheer numbers, there's more Cubs fans in Chicago than White Sox fans, and, and because all the impl- all the um, transplants usually become uh, all the transplants usually become Cubs fans or whatever. So you know it's hard not to pay attention to them. But like, yeah, the, the biggest baseball stars in the city are they play play for the Cubs. So it's hard not to to know you know who's who. And yeah, that, that World Series run that they had was one for the ages, and you know, it's just, I can't. I tip my hat. It's not, I don't have no issues with with the Cubs winning. You know, if if the, the White Sox aren't going to win, it's like I have no problem rooting for the Cubs. There's there's many um, White Sox fans who don't feel that way, and they'll never root for the Cubs under any circumstances. But I was happy to see them win that World Series. It had been a long time for them, so I was happy to see it. And it brought, like, the same type of electricity I was talking about that the Bulls brought, it brought to the city. So anything that's positive for Chicago, I'm all for it. But, yeah, if they go to head-to-head, head, I root for the White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, speaking of um, something that's uh, more, more not an understatement, your music career has definitely not been an understatement. And, you, of course, I mentioned your one half of the hip-hop duo Kids in the hall, you and uh, along with uh, DJ and producer Double O. Um, your music career has been something that's been um, very interesting. You and uh, Double O took off right at the right time because this was at an era where social media really took off, and you and Double O took really took a big advantage of that. Just kind of uh, tell the audience, like, what was the uh, the process like with uh, you and Double O meeting? 
Uh, I mean, we we met in college, so it was kind of built in. It was pretty simple. Um, you know, we we uh, we met literally on my. I took a recruiting visit to the University of Pennsylvania, and on that recruiting visit, I decided to perform in a talent show on a whim. Double uh, O was the DJ of that talent show. He was kind of like the DJ on campus for a lot of the events that they were holding that were, you know, parties or whatever, things that in, entail hip-hop and that type of music. He was, like, known around campus as, like, that guy. Uh, after I did the talent show, he approached me, let me know that he made beats and stuff, and that if I came to to school at Penn and, you know, we could link up and we could make music together. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a great thing. The minute I got to school, I hit him up and like, I didn't realize, you know, what was going to come of it, but, it, you know, we began making music together and I like the, as they say, like kind of the rest has been history, you know? Indeed, the rest has been history. You guys have uh, currently re- released uh, four albums. Your debut album was on, uh, a legendary label, uh, Raucous Records, which uh, housed Most Deaf and also Talib Kweli and Pharrell Munch. The first out, al- Pharrell Munch, excuse me, the first album was titled School Was My Hustle. And then after that, your last three albums was on Duck Down Records, The In Crowd, Land of Make Believe, and Occasion. So, sir, the UNWS is the call. You guys have done magnificent things so far. Are you guys still currently working on new music, or are you kind of, I know you mentioned that you're in the process of writing your dissertation, but are you you and Double O going to make some music in the feasible future? Yeah, no, we actually are. Like you know, our paths, like, like you kind of uh, hinted at, have kind of moved in different directions. Um, after we fulfilled our uh, our last album with Duck Down, we did a couple EPs and mixtapes and whatnot, but Things had slowed down. We we uh, were out contractually no longer with Duck Down, and so we were kind of like free agents, which, you know, in this era doesn't really matter so much because it's like everybody's kind of DIY, um, one project at a time. You know, once you kind of have a name for yourself, it's not really as bad to be independent if you already know your audience. Um, for me, it just came – time where like certain things slowed down in terms of our touring schedule and when those things happened and me then becoming a father and some other things I started uh reevaluating like you know what are ways that I could be more stable and be uh, be home more so while mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of songwriting and, and we were making music like I was finding myself more so leaning towards working in the community. I ended up going back to school, obviously. And, um, you know, I found myself kind of involving myself in music in other ways, but not necessarily as trying to be a touring artist unless a certain type of offer came. I think that was the thing that, for me, was like a big deal. It was like, okay, moving from being an opening act for these bigger acts and becoming a headliner, and if I can't be a headliner, then I don't want to tour, you know, um, I want, you know, we're getting older, I don't want to be on a passenger van, (laughs) or, you know, be trying to uh, overspend, go broke, renting a tour bus, if we're not going to be headlining and making a certain type of money, so that was just 
you know, where I came from with that. But, yeah, Double uh, O has been, you know, working as Lupe Fiasco's uh, tour DJ for the last maybe five years, really, like, since we, the last tour that we did together. And so, you know, obviously Lupe's from Chicago, and that's all fam, and it's all love. So I'm still, like, it's interesting, you know, going to their tour days as I was like, yo, it's kind of like watching yourself perform to a certain extent because the chemistry that they have is similar to the same chemistry I have with Double O. Um, so, you know, it's been that. So recently we, we actually gotten back in the studio and we started, like, making songs again. And it's, like, actually been somewhat of a blessing in disguise that people have to be in the house because he was you know things weren't slowing down enough for us to sit still and kind of communicate with one another about songs and things like that so now that like we're both in the house there's like a lot more time for that and so that's kind of what we've been doing we hope to uh have some type of project out i don't know if it's gonna be in the summer or in the fall i'm not quite sure yet but we we got about 10 records that we like and we're kind of you know just trying to polish those up, and, and I think we're going to put them out. We're just trying to figure out how we want to distribute them. You know, like, it's a different era and a different time, but we're definitely going to have some new music for, for those that miss us and for those that never caught us the first time around. We want to kind of reintroduce ourselves to some people. And this time around, it's going to be more so for the for the love. I mean, people say that, but this really, to me, is a labor of love. It's, it's a different and kind of dealing with labels and industry stuff versus, like, you just saying you want to put an album out just because, like, um, at this point, you know, hip-hop is not, at least making of hip-hop music is not my main source of income at this point. It does, it it helped, you know, build my career and it helped me get money, you know, as, as in my 20s. But now I have investments and other things that I'm doing that sustain me to where, you know, it's not quite the same that it was when I was like 24, 25. Interesting, right? You know, things definitely change, you know, as as time goes on. But it's good to hear that you and Double O have had an opportunity to kind of slow down and, you know, get some – you guys are working on some music. I want to ask briefly – What's a label situation? Are you and do you and Double O want to possibly set up a a record label, or are do you going to deal with, with an independent situation, or maybe go with the major? What what would the label what would, what would be the first label situation for you? Um, I mean, I'll say this: like, ideally, we we've been looking at this like possibly pursuing like a single deal, and not necessarily trying to be locked into something with this is like that's one thing that we saw is like project by project things change so with this climate and the way that business is now like even Lupe at this point is independent and like there's a lot of other artists who at one point had deals that now operate independently I think now you you kind of just want marketing and distribution um you kind of want to retain ownership of the actual music and the creative and I think it's ideal to just bring since labels don't develop projects like they used to, they're, they're, and or artists, um, 
the the ideal is to have a finished product, have a few video, have a few videos done, and then go pursue some type of deal for marketing and distribution. Um, and we did an ET with Empire like a couple of years back. I want to say now it might might be three years. Well, we're in 2020. Yeah, this was in like 2017. We put out an EP with Empire. Um, this on Spotify now. It's called uh, Free Nights and Weekends. We put that out. Um, but like you know, I think deals like that are fine. I think the 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 reason you might want to label at this point is like to get. It's funny how times change. There's no like retail doesn't matter as much as streaming now. So it's like, can you be on the front of Spotify? You know what I mean? Are you on certain playlists? Um, that's where the visibility comes in. Like. You know, what are you doing online? How many followers do you have? How many view, views do you have on YouTube? Like, these are the things that when we started, we're seeing as, like, uh, like, oh, you're a blog rapper or you're just an Internet famous person. But now the Internet is everything. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Internet is now reflective of your popularity on and offline now because, you know, people want content in different ways than they did before and things aren't top down like they used to be. It's bottom up. So I don't know. I think ideally it'd be great to just have like really good marketing and distribution, but to still retain, you know, ownerships, do partnerships. I think that's something that, uh, the late Nipsey hustle, he, uh, was preaching about right before his passing and, and, that's kind of like the wave. I think some of our friends have done that properly as well. Like guys like currency or, um, you know, when we were, when we were moving around guys like Mickey Sachs and kid Cuddy and the cool kids and, and Jay electronica, even like guys like that, who, uh, and this guys that came along after us that we kind of somewhat mentored. Got, you see chance the rapper and big Minson and what they've done. Like, um, those type of scenarios are the, you know, I won't say at that a certain point they were considered the future. Now they're just the norm, um, particularly in hip hop. There's no need to sign that type of deal, and and a lot of times you're seeing deals get signed after a record is already broke. You know, like you think about like a, a Lil Nas X or somebody like that whose record became popular, then the label comes and gets them. Or even how Cardi B kind of blew up. It was the same way. She was already very popular on the internet, and then the label comes later. Megan Thee Stallion with 300 is kind of the same way. Uh, you know, we've seen her have struggles, you know, with her label recently to put out new music. But like, the reality of it is, she was popping. You know, like the indie label made her pop off more, you know, that she was already popping, and then these other people got involved before she got to Rock Nation, you know, these other people made her pop off on the internet, so that's the type of, you know, way we're going to kind of pursue this, and we're still kind of going over options, but the ideal thing is just to make sure that the music is done, and that it sounds like how we want it to sound. Rightfully so, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the music and how you're trying to put the product out there, and that's very important right there. And um, speaking yeah. of important, and we're definitely in some important times right now. You know, the uh, COVID nineteen has impacted uh, uh, has impacted us all, and you know the impact of the coronavirus, not just on sports, but society as a whole, has, has really made the world just stop and just you know reflect on what's really important. How is 
of COVID nineteen impacted you? Um, I mean, I'm teaching two courses at Northwestern right now, and um, I'm teaching from home. That's different. I got a son who's two rooms down doing his schooling, and then uh, my fiance is is a principal of a school. So you have three people who, at one point, we would wake up and be going off to our respective places of work and school, and now we all under one roof all at one time, all on Zoom and on Skype and on Google Meet or whatever way that we're communicating with people. So it can get kind of crowded. Uh, I haven't, you know, been able to really see my parents uh, during this time. I mean, I, you know, obviously there's FaceTime and I might go drop things off at their house, but like actual interaction has changed drastically. Um, I used to not think of myself so much as a as somebody who went out a lot. I don't think that – I don't know if that's me, but maybe I actually did go out a lot because I, I found that the change um, of having to stay in, you know, it, it, it's affected relationships, you know, in a way that, you know, even though I've, I had routines for places that I went that maybe weren't, like, available to everybody or, like, you know, people like to think about going out as being around a whole lot of people. I feel like I, I had a small circle of people that I was around on a regular basis, but, like, this thing has made it to where a lot of my routine has been, been changed. And so, you know, like I said at the very beginning, luckily I haven't been impacted thus far in a way that, that has been super-duper detrimental to me or anybody in my immediate in the media family, and I just feel blessed that, and I just feel blessed because I, I've seen that, you know, things are going on in this world where it, it doesn't have to go that way. I've had people who are, like, uh, friends that I see on, like, social media that might have lost parents or lost loved ones. Um, I've seen that online, and I've, seen, I've people have told me that they've gotten it and maybe recovered from it. Uh, online, they said that, you know, and so, you know, these aren't people that are super close to me, like I said before, but I see that it's affecting lives, or even the fact that someone like Fred the Godson, who was a, you know, tremendous force in hip-hop in terms of the lyricist, he passed away from this, so it's, it's, you know, it hasn't affected me uh, thus far in, in a real way in terms of my productivity and, and and it hasn't devastated my work or anything like that and or my ability to kind of maintain optimism but it does it does make you a little anxious <laughs> you know uh, to see all that's going on in the world yeah it does, it does um, heighten your anxiety it does like you mentioned it does make people anxious and people are just very cautious nowadays and uh you know, big up to uh, rest in peace to Fred the Godson, man. He was definitely on, well, he was definitely on the way, definitely <laughs> hip hop, and now it's just, it's tragic. And also, too, Scarface and Slim Thug have recovered from uh, the COVID 19. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, certainly yep. interesting right there. So, while we're in a, in a period of adjustment and just trying to slow down and just, you know, just re, re, uh, put some things, just rearranging some things. You still, you mentioned about education. You earned 
uh, bachelor's degree in communications with a minor in sociology from the University of Pennsylvania, and you earned a yeah. master's in sociology from USC, and you're currently a PhD candidate in uh, of media, technology, and society in the School of Communications at Northwestern University. Now, you know, education is something that you've always talked about because you and kids in the hall, you put up, you talked about education in your music and with your parents um, having doctorates as well. Education is something we don't, we don't really see much of in hip-hop in these days. It's slowly creeping back up, but back in the, hit, the early stages of hip-hop from the 80s and the 90s, education was something that was in the forefront. Just um, what are you doing to just uh, spread, spread the importance of education, not just to the inner city, but just to uh, my, uh, all communities worldwide? Uh, I mean, you know, I think everybody who's a, a content creator, uh, you know, I think of any sort, a creative of any sort, we're used to having to communicate um, via social media and things like that. And I think we're all pretty savvy in that way. So you've seen people step up to kind of like have conversations. And that's something that I've tried to do. I mean, I have a podcast, uh, the Go Defenders podcast is me and three other people. Uh, other homies in here in Chicago that are from different fields, uh, respectively, doing doing their thing here in the city, and we we've had uh, we just had a a watch party online for the Last Dance documentary you talked about. I had a conversation with uh, Ryan Fest, an MC here from Chicago. We did a, a Instagram live thing where we talked about some of the things that are affecting the Black community here in Chicago and where to get resources. Um, you know, I have friends that are in local politics that I've had on, on IG Live that I share information with, you know, just connecting with others, you know, trying to connect people, um, you know, we as people who entertain and or have entertained or or have used media as a way to relay um, information to others, you know, it's our duty to kind of, be at the forefront at this time where people are in their house worried and, and, you know, this is kind of our realm of expertise. And so you're seeing DJs and producers and all sorts of musicians holding, you know, events online um, because, you know, community is big for us. And so, you know, for those of, you know, now we're kind of, in a position where people have to kind of see how the sausage is made because it's, it's taking everybody back to, to um, equal plane. And, you know, it's just, it's about survival, but at the same time, like bare minimum, we, we need to connect with others. Humans need connection. And so that's what this technology is, is letting us do. And so we're finding ways to innovate. And when this thing is all, all said and done and the shutdown eases up, um, We'll, we'll have much more innovation and much more creativity that, that spawned from this period. Absolutely. I see it that way, too, knowledge. I want to stay just with the education part for a moment. I'm looking at your educational uh, background. You have uh, undergrad in sociology as well as a master's in sociology. Now, sociology, for the, the correct definition of it, is the study of society, patterns of social relationships, social interaction, culture that surrounds everyday life. With your, with your sociology background from an educational standpoint, how has that helped you in terms of preparing for your 
dissertation, as well as just dealing with um, everyday life and also dealing with, with having to deal with things in the music business? Um, I mean, my master's is actually in social work, so I I, I specialize more so in um, mental health. Uh, my I had a minor in sociology in undergrad, um, but even still, that you know, studying sociology influenced like my methods. I'm very much uh, in, in in social science research. There's people who are more quantitative and use statistics, and there's people who are more qualitative, and qualitative methods include, like, interviewing and, like, you know, being amongst people and examining their lived experiences, and that's something that I already was doing. It's something, I'm a storyteller, and so, you know, it lends well to, you know, my experiences as, as a mental health clinician as well. Like, I deal with people. I like talking to people. I like interpreting people. Uh, through face-to-face interaction and through observation. So it kind of all plays together, you know, um, and that's kind of how I approach the, the dissertation, which is about uh, hip-hop-based education and its benefits in public school systems. So, you know, uh, I'm excited about the work. I'm working on a book. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I don't think it helps with the music industry at all, really. Like, you know, I wouldn't say that. I think, um, I think the type of person who chooses to do that type of work, um, has, you know, probably some similarities to those who choose to, like, I think there's a reason why I fit as a musician. I fit as a professor. I fit in these different spaces because different parts of my personality and my character, fit all those different um, roles, but um, I don't think the actual going to school helped my, my, I think it might have even hindered my position in the music industry because the music industry is not really aligned with, you know, it's not so much aligned with uh, academic pursuits so much as it is like experience, like lived experience and relationships, you know. Okay, well, good, good answer right there. Now, I want to, um, you mentioned a lot about your projects that you do. I'm going to have to chat soon. So I got about, I got about, two, I can only take one more question. I'm going to have to make this the last question. Okay, no problem, man. I got you. So just uh, quickly, uh, current projects and then let uh, the audience know about uh, social media platforms and a website. Word. Uh, current projects, uh, I guess we're going to have some music coming. Uh, I guess just follow me on social media, and you'll you'll kind of get updates regarding that. My website though is knowledgeevans.com. That's N-A-L-E-D-G-E. Last name Evans E-V-A-N-S dot com. Almost everything is there. You can you know see more about my my um my work as a scholar, uh, a book project that I'm working on, uh, musical projects that I put out in the past. Um, what I'm doing now in the community with my not-for-profit, the Brainiac Project, uh, and then my my social media handles on on IG and Twitter are Knowledge Since '82, which is N A L E D G E S I N C E, the number eight and the number two. So yeah, like I can be found that in those ways. But yeah, I would. I also have our podcast, but. 
It's the Go Defenders podcast. But yeah, if you check me on 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 social media, you'll see everything. And if you go to my homepage, my website, you you can see everything that I'm doing. You know, <laughs> in this in this era, we share a lot, so you can you know almost anything you you want, you can find in those ways. Well, you heard it from him. He's knowledge. One half of the hip hop duo, kids in the hall, and making a big difference. Not just in, in this community, not just with the education side, but also with uh, the social work as well. And also check out the podcast and among other things, he's working on knowledge. Thank you so much for taking out of your time, out of your busy schedule to be with us on the program. And if you ever want to come back on, feel free to let us know. No doubt, man. I appreciate you. It's love. It's dope. Same here, man. It was great. And that's going to do it for another exciting edition of The Robinson Show. I'm your host, Ed Robinson. And remember, for God first, everything you do and you can't go wrong. Until next time, stick to the script. Remember, stay inside and stay safe. And here's a little bit of uh, knowledge with his, him and Double O, kids in the hall with Dear Eastside. So long, everyone. Neighbor, see what proofs it brings. Eastside, that's my word. We don't misbehave. Kick raps for a living till I'm in the grave. No label, not a slave. Need no whips and chains. Enjoy the world through my lenses and the Cardi frame. You know my CZO. 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 You know my CZO. You know my CZO. Drinking with my amigos. You know my CZO. People who are sick should stay home. You don't go to an emergency room. You don't go to a clinic. You get on the phone and you ask for advice and instructions from your physician. Then you use those instructions to determine what you're going to do. But the first reflex should not be, I feel sick, I'm going to go to an emergency room. I feel sick, I'm going to just go to a doctor's office. We need to physically separate. Ultimately, you may need, obviously, to see a physician or to go to a hospital. The first reflex should be to make a call to your physician. All right, buddy, I got to go now, but I'll put on your favorite show. See you tonight. Welcome back to Cooking with Chef Antonio. Gee, well, I would like to know how this risotto will turn out, but I'll probably just go to sleep in your bed and sniff your sheets and then figure out what that squirrel is planning. Squirrels. Your dog doesn't care if the TV is on. With energy-saving tips and programs from Georgia Power, you can save money and make your home more efficient. Learn more at georgiapower.com slash efficiency. All right, buddy, I got to go now, but I'll put on your favorite show. See you tonight. Welcome back to Cooking with Chef Antonio. Gee, well, I would like to know how this risotto will turn out, but I'll probably just go to sleep in your bed and sniff your sheets and then figure out what that squirrel is planning. Squirrels. Your dog doesn't care if the TV is on. With energy-saving tips and programs from Georgia Power, you can save money and make your home more efficient. Learn more at georgiapower.com slash efficiency. All right, buddy, I got to go now, but I'll put on your favorite show. See you tonight. Welcome back to Cooking with Chef Antonio. Gee, well, I would like to know how this risotto will turn out, but I'll probably just go to sleep in your bed and sniff your sheets and then figure out what that squirrel is planning. Squirrels. Your dog doesn't care if the TV is on. With energy-saving tips and programs from Georgia Power, you can save money and make your home more efficient. Learn more at georgiapower.com slash efficiency. 
Having trouble starting your trimmer, chainsaw, or leaf blower? Say goodbye to those starting problems and improve your equipment's performance with True Fuel, the original ready-to-use fuel available in 32 or 110-ounce cans. True Fuel is the ethanol-free, precision-engineered fuel that empowers your equipment to start strong and run great every time. Power through yard work with True Fuel, available at your local home and garden center today. Having trouble starting your trimmer, chainsaw, or leaf blower? Say goodbye to those starting problems and improve your equipment's performance with True Fuel, the original ready-to-use fuel available in 32 or 110-ounce cans. True Fuel is the ethanol-free, precision-engineered fuel that empowers your equipment to start strong and run great every time. Power through yard work with True Fuel, available at your local home and garden center today. All right, buddy, I gotta go now, but I'll put on your favorite show. See you tonight. Welcome back to Cooking with Chef Antonio. Gee, well, I would like to know how this risotto will turn out, but I'll probably just go to sleep in your bed and sniff your sheets, and then figure out what that squirrel is planning. Squirrels. Your dog doesn't care if the TV is on? With energy-saving tips and programs from Georgia Power, you can save money and make your home more efficient. Learn more at georgiapower.com slash efficiency.